0: Welcome to Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Before we get started, I would like to thank our sponsor AKG for sending us the Podcaster Essentials Kit. The kit comes with a Lyra mic and an amazing set of headphones, so if you've ever thought about starting your own podcast, this is the best way to do it. Our guest today is John San Juan. He's the guitarist for Hush Drops. The band was preparing their third album when they suffered the unexpected passing of the drummer Joe Camarillo. John talks about how he spent the next few months drinking until one day he decided the best tribute to Joe would be to finish the album. And it's a really great story of how they were able to use drum tracks by Joe to actually finish the album. But we actually started off talking about his childhood obsession with music and how a punishment from his parents would actually be for him to not be allowed to sing his own songs. He was playing heavy metal covers when he realized he wanted to actually play like Neil Young, and that's how Hush Drops found their sound. But their name is a completely different story. So follow the band at Hush Drops on social media. Buy the new album, The Static, wherever you get new music. Give us a follow at Performance a on social media, and you can help support the show at ko-fi.com slash performanceanxiety. Merchandise is available at performanceanx.threadless.com. And since I was caught in traffic when we recorded this, we now join the conversation with John San Juan of Hush Drops, already in progress on Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network.
1: Oh, well, fair enough. I, I'll, I'll make haste here. Yeah. Okay. All right. Hey, everybody. This is John San Juan from the Hush Drops, and you are listening to Performance Anxiety with Mark Shea.
0: <sighs> what an evening! <laughs>
1: so you got well. You're home safe. That's you know. Yeah. To <laughs> start with the positives, yeah. Exactly,
0: exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This is uh, this is gonna be a lot of fun. I hope it will be for oh, me
1: absolutely. anyway. Oh, I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've you know I've got the got the bedroom to myself. Uh, this is all, all good. Yeah.
0: All right. So I have been listening to the stuff you sent over and. Oh my gosh, man, I'm loving it.
1: Oh, hey, all right. Holy. It's fantastic. Gr-
0: it's it's so cool. It's like I love the way you described it as what was it? Uh, the who doing bread. Oh, right, right. Yeah. I I'm thinking more crazy horse doing bread. But Well, that's a
1: compliment of the highest order, man. <laughs> um yeah, I I I'm, I'm here for crazy
0: horse. Oh, yeah. I love Anything Neil is great, but Crazy Horse just particularly.
1: Yeah, um, Neil is a yeah, huge hero of mine. And um, yeah, there was actually a song on the record that is coming out in, an, well, coming out in November, um, that uh, it was so, just had that kind of on the verge of falling apart quality <laughs> that I sort of, I know that I had when I was talking to just sending songs to the label in advance of putting the deal together, I had used crazy, crazy horse as a signifier, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Anything Neil and certainly Neil with crazy horse.
0: Well, if you don't mind foul language and sophomoric humor, there's a podcast you need to check out. (laughs)
1: <laughs> These are my uh my <laughs> keywords, yeah.
0: It's it's on the same network that I'm on. Uh it's called Long May You Young. And oh. it is hilarious. And what they do is they go through every Neil Young album chronologically, and it's it's hilarious. They're brutally honest about their opinions on it. So
1: Oh yeah. I'm you, I'm yeah, I'm here for this.
0: All right. So when you get to uh like the eighties deal with landing on water and all Ooh.
1: Yeah. Oh, I mean that's uh <laughs> that's that's a difficult uh difficult time to be a Neil fan for sure. It yeah. Is.
0: What got you into music? Was were you into it as a kid? Were you taking music lessons? Was there a lot playing in the house?
1: Well, you know, I think that period where I was a you know, was a little kid, you know, the early seventies, the early to mid seventies It was just like, you know, generally a kid my age, your parents were hippies. They had records, lots of records. Music was always playing. So, uh, you know, I was say I had had a favorable reaction to it. And I remember being kindergarten age and getting up, you know, getting up hours before anyone else in the house on weekends. And putting on the headphones. And I specifically remember pulling out things that looked interesting. Like the Sgt. Pepper album looked interesting. Revolver looked interesting. Yeah. And uh, like being perfectly content to have hours of headphone time. So yeah, it's, it's like a moth to a flame kind of thing. And, you know, so that, were, so that was a whole, you know, grade school was just going through, I don't know, just just going through all of this, then was already kind of outdated music, but in its way was so evergreen because I think that the nostalgia for it was very instant uh, among, you know, um, people who had lived through it the first time. And I don't know if you remember the ambience at that time was all had to do with like, you know, Beatles reunions and this hopeful Lorne Michaels with the novelty size check and all of that um, but it was you know so they were a great introduction because they had such a they had you know they had such such a varied and extensive catalog that you know some birthdays and christmas and you just get these records out of sequence and yeah you couldn't even really put the puzzle together it's just like well these i don't know what these what this next record's going to sound like that i get by them <laughs> Um, this one, they've got animal masks on the cover and, um, you know, and revolution number nine. And, um, so from there into, you know, just branching out into things like the who, and you know, one of the doors of Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin. And I think, yeah. So I just was a really avid enjoyer of music and, drew pictures of it and one of the things I did when I was probably five or six is I remembered that I had gotten punished for some infraction and the punishment was that I couldn't go around making up songs <laughs> <laughs> I, I kid you not <laughs> uh, oh my gosh and uh, you know and I, I considered this a real uh, you know violation of my uh, my civil rights <laughs> so, so, I guess all of the evidence was there that, uh, you know, so by the time I, I got, it was my 11th birthday, I got a guitar for my parents and just started playing. And with no real end game in mind, not like, you know, well, I'm going to start a band or I'm going to do this or do that. It was a real sort of fumbling towards just kind of blindly fumbling towards something okay but fumbling in that direction for sure um <laughs> and my big fantasy I walking to school in fifth grade and this is the extent of my ambition was a. Uh, so Something about playing Day Tripper in the school auditorium like that's, that's like that's gonna you know <laughs> that's when I will have made it big. You know?
0: <laughs> that's gonna be your career highlight,
1: right? Yeah, to me that was you know, I guess because I I couldn't picture Madison Square Garden.
0: Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, when you're 11, you know.
1: Yeah, right. You know, and that, that's uh. So yeah, and then, so that just extended out into obviously to get into middle school and junior high and high school, you're getting into all these more contemporary things and eventually, you know, making some efforts to play with people, but not really realizing that whatever abilities I had or interest I had was, oh, you could translate this into a creative life or, you know, because I I know Mm -hmm. people... Yeah, I know people who, you know, have very different origin stories where, yeah, you know, I picked up a guitar and, you know, I knew exactly what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go with it. And um, yeah, this was a real uh, sleeper.
0: (laughs) At what point did you think that, well, maybe this is something that I I could do as a career. I could make a living in music.
1: Well, um, I came up to Chicago in what would have been my senior year. I had had dropped out and came up here and was starting college, pending um, a GED, and somehow that just, that change of location, suddenly I was in through friends of friends with people that were in bands, and... Next thing I knew, I was in someone's band, and I liked it, you know yeah. I like i yeah, I like the the collaborative process I liked performing on stage, and uh, you know, I think a lot of performers will tell you that you know once you get a taste of it, you're uh you're hooked, you know,
0: yeah, I've heard that a lot,
1: <laughs> so yeah, um, so i yeah I was up here in my first couple of years of college playing in a band with these two brothers. And I was just really just playing guitar and I hadn't given a single thought to the actual, like, you know, you could sit down and write a song someday. Um, It wasn't even that it seemed remote. It just didn't even cross my mind. It was just like, well, no, I pick up the guitar and I play it. And and here we are. Um, (laughs) Thank you very much, everybody. Uh, (laughs) But uh, (laughs) at some point, yeah, that, that band uh, when that band split up, I think you know, and I wasn't even twenty yet, there was this, this this sense of, well, you know I gotta do something and um and from there came those first like sort of stabs at songwriting. And somehow, I hearing the Buzzcocks who I had bought, I bought singles going steady. Because it looked like something that I might enjoy and I think it was discounted. And
0: so <laughs> it's a bonus.
1: All those, yeah, all those like just hearing all of those um great Pete Shelley songs, something in it woke me up like, oh, there's the song is what you're responding to here. And you know, there's I could kind of
0: see what was in it to some extent or what I believe was in it and what was making it tick. Okay. And so, yeah, then, then there's the writing. (laughs) You've worked with a lot of people uh, in in your own bands and with other bands like material issue, uh, Liam Hayes, Josh Cater, like we were talking about before the web brothers. Was that, were you working with those bands as a, as a player or producing or engineering?
1: Um, always as a player. Okay. Um, and that was not, you know, um, and that was not until a little bit later because um, I had sort of, well, not, yeah, I had started the Hush Drops, which was, I mean, a fairly modest undertaking in its initial incarnation. And then it sort of whittled away to me meeting a guy named joe camarillo who um we started playing together and it's just it's it's, you know there was a sort of response that we got from people changed and just my enjoyment of it it was just it just the character of the music developed in a way that was really positive and and almost like that to some extent may have been you know some of those gigs like the web brothers and material issue and things that were you know many 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 of them forged in friendship i think that the hush traps may have sort of been the demo reel for that in terms of like okay well, well you know this guy looks like he can do what we want musically
0: Okay, so the Hush Drops came before all of that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm trying to get. It may have
1: enabled it. Yeah.
0: How did you guys come up with the name Hush Drops?
1: Oh God, and um, that I remember was making a list, a very lengthy list of potential band names, and if you can believe it every one of which was worse than push-ups. <laughs> um, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I I hate to talk down my own my own brand here, but um, I mean, that was, that was a name that was chosen by default. Like, all right, well, like, we can all live with this name. It was a real we can live with it. I can live with it. But, you know, obviously, as you go on in your life under a brand name, it takes on its own meaning and connotations. Yeah
0: how did you meet Joe in the first place? And then, cause the first album was basically just you and Joe, right? You're, I, I think you're, you're, yeah. you're started to talk about that a little bit, but.
1: Oh yeah. Um, So we had, he, we had had a whole bunch of mutual friends without ever meeting each other. I'd gone to see a friend's band play and Joe's band was the other band in the bill. And he was up on stage singing and holding a baseball bat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, he a big guy, and I think that was sort of, you know, his kind of soft-hearted lampooning of, like, the sort of macho side of hardcore and punk rock. So, yeah, it was just somebody did the initial, like, oh, well, you know, you you, sh- you should meet my friend Joe. You guys should play together. And I think said it to both of us, and then... That became like, and then a lot of other people joined in. Once the sort of like, oh, so you know Joe, right? What's he like? Oh, yeah, you guys should play together. And I think both of us heard it from enough people that well, well, okay, we'll, we'll at least talk on the phone. And yeah. and the first time we talked on the phone, it was like just having all of the same humor references and just all of this stuff about the Ruddles and Cheech oh. and Chong and all of these things. Yeah, and, uh, you know, at the time when liking the Beach Boys was kind of a niche thing, you know, i like probably the, their most unfashionable point, you know, if you met someone who was like, I don't know, I'm, I'm down with Brian, that was a, that was a big deal. Yeah. yeah.
0: So the first album, it's, I, I really enjoyed it. It had a whole lot of different sounds to it, a lot of different, uh, it had a bit of the of rawness. I mean, you've got the song "Summer People," which I also I saw that the Web Brothers did that as well. That first, or did the Web Brothers do that first?
1: We recorded it first, and, yeah. We recorded and released it first, and then they, yeah, did a version of it. Yeah,
0: okay. But you've got strings on the on the album, like I, I like Air Chocolate so much. That's, oh, that's well, that's,
1: so that's, cool. that's that's Joe, yeah.
0: And um, then you got these awesome like lounge sounds with Doctor V and song for a rained out ball game which is one of my favorites on that album i mean it's got this like oh thanks man it's almost got this like like space needle sound but with a little more gravel in the voice and some sound effects Right into like sludge pop with Miami rap. I mean, it's just so many sounds on that album. Did you guys know what you wanted to do when you were making the album?
1: I had a, I had an idea that whatever we did. Cause we, you know, we'd been playing together for a while at that point before we like, okay, well look, we're making and putting out an album here. Um, so I had the backlog of material. I had new songs and I had an idea just based on, based on the white album, I think where you didn't know what was coming next. And I was like, well, that's going to, you know, that's the goal. That's a, that's a goal we can have so that, there isn't necessarily, okay, well, we got the guitar sound for the album, and here they are, um, Yeah, which can be a perfectly valid way to live. Um, and there's a lot of things I like like that. But, um, yeah, I thought there was just a – I just felt like, yeah, well, we'll make a bigger splash, bigger impression with a kind of – doing a rangy sort of record.
0: Well, it's really cool because you also have these small – I don't even want to say vignettes because they're actual songs. Like, but they're the little the smaller instrument shorter, I guess better word instrumentals like Cold Harbor Lane. I mean, it's just they're really cool. Like little interstitial bits in between some of the other songs. You know, I mean, Cold Harbor Lane kinda of echoes a little bit of Dr. V. And then you've got some other singing who who's the female
1: uh, oh, singing. there's a few on that first record. Um, my friend, Carolyn, Carolyn Engelman, who also did the string arrangements. Ah. Um, so she's one of the female voices. And see, Elizabeth Elmore is another and um, a friend of ours, Laura Catter. So there were three ah. female voices. And I had a lot of things. A lot of things that I liked at the time, like Stereo Lab and Broadcast and the Cardigans. Oh like yeah, broadcast. my own and my yeah, my own way of hearing music was uh, well. There's there's going to be a woman singing at some point, and since I'm not capable of producing that sound, you know.
0: But the band was just you and Joe at that point, technically. I mean, now were you playing just as a duo, or did you have other bass players come in when you were playing live?
1: We we always had um, some version of the band. You know, we went through so many, you know, honestly, during probably what were our most marketable youthful years, we went through one bass player. I mean, it was a Spinal Tap situation.
2: Oh, wow. um, it
1: was one bass player after another. And, you know, it was just never the, it was never the band. It, and... I, but at that point, my feeling about making a record was like, well, you know, I can play bass, and you know, between the two of us, we can play whatever needs to, whatever it takes to make a record. Yeah. So yeah, that uh, and that right, that that particular, I know, because I, I kind of always felt like, even though it was from the CD era, what what we would call side two of that album, um, always seemed sort of like the easy listening side or the adult <laughs> contemporary side. <Yeah. laughs>
0: so then there was a 10 year gap between volume 1 the first album and then the second album tomorrow. Right. What were you guys still playing? I mean were you, were you doing this full time or were you was that when you started working with Material Issue and the other bands?
1: Well, I had um, I did the Material Issue tour in 94 so sort of well in advance of that but during that time i think both joe and i you know during the time between the two albums specifically um you know high straps well actually our friend jim shapiro joined then and uh our our bass player to this very day yeah so that you know that was when we sort of found the band and as for why we weren't more actively recording and putting out records in it that's hard to reconstruct that
0: <laughs> but uh yeah it's a while ago now
1: yeah no uh right it's it, everything is uh yeah. <laughs> but uh you know certainly both joe and i at that time you know were taking up you know, doing other things on the side as well and he he with uh the waco brothers and oh god a number of things and um Right, playing with Liam Hayes and okay. people like that.
0: The second album, it has a different sound to it. It's a lot more raw. And it's, okay, so you, you've got a couple things going here. It's, it's the sounds, I mean, it still sounds like the Hush Drops, but it's a, little, it's a little more raw. It's the sophomore album. It's a double album, and it was recorded in mono. I think you guys were just trying to shoot yourselves in the foot.
1: Oh, I mean, you know, we, <laughs> we were certainly our own paymasters for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I know that. Uh, so we had done Volume One, and you know, we're very proud of it. And, anyways, it's sort of gone on, or you know, just existing as a uh, you know as a live band for for many years after. And Joe, one night, we're out drinking and he says i don't know what segued into this but he sort of said you know well i think the next album i think we should try to capture our live sound and you know you you, i, I couldn't say no to that because yeah i thought we had something pretty special on stage and that's a more attractive option than like i don't know let's go make volume two man yes
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really a, an incredible sound i mean you've got this like wild mix of beautiful harmonies but like this searing guitars like take your places for example it's, it's my favorite on that album oh. it's, it, it's got all of that and it's just amazing it's it's got it's like beach i'm gonna i'm not gonna say bread i'm gonna go beach boys harmonies meet crazy horse guitar it's just wild it's a double album of a lot of that. It's incredible.
1: Oh God. Um, yeah, I guess that was, you know, and again, just being the type of, the types of players we were. And I guess also like having a real love of these sort of softer sounds, you know, a lot of seventies AM gold and, uh, yeah. Just 'cause you know, yeah, right, Beach Boys, things like that. Um you know, sort of what came out of it was like a you know, a heavy band playing, you know, I guess, yeah, whatever, major seventh chords and <laughs> you know, um big uh Rundgren harmonies. Um
0: Yeah, that's that's perfect. That's right. I mean and then the, you've also got the shorter little things like "The Earth Is Flat." You know these these great instrumental pieces that go on as well. And I, I love the the instrumentals that you guys do. They're so expressive. They're just there it. Like I said, it's, it's like a concentration of whatever band you're you're. I, I, I'm not saying this the way I want it to come out. It's like if uh, you you're distilling Crazy Horse or. I don't want to say bread because that's not, <laughs> that's not the case. Maybe, maybe the who, you know, it's just, it's you're fitting a lot of, of great stuff into these shorter little instrumentals. And that, I, I think it's really, it's an incredible talent because a lot of people can't do that in, you know, a, a 15 minute jam. So it's, it's a really great stuff.
1: Oh, that's a compliment of the highest order. I think, uh, you know, I mean, one of the, things is that uh, you know by the time we started recording by the time we started recording tomorrow we were all in our 40s and you know your goals are different you know I think there's you know a sense in your early 20s that you know oh god you know we could get on MTV and you know it just there's these are different goals and there's a certain point we realize like well Whatever it is that's driving us to make music at this point is uh, just live. There's no commercial concerns in there, right? Right. Um, if you've sort of gracefully accepted your cult, uh, your cult status, you know, it can be very freeing <laughs> <Yeah>. artistically.
0: <laughs> and Jim just fits right in. Jim Shapiro from from Veruca Salt.
1: Yeah, yeah, he uh, he is. Was and is periodically uh, their drummer.
0: Yeah. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. I want to take a minute and talk about our sponsor, Tiesta Tea. Tiesta is a tea company on a mission to create loose leaf tea beverages with premium ingredients that taste good and do good. Each tea is blended for one of five categories so you can energize. Slenderize, boost antioxidants, boost immunity, and relax. My current favorite is Blueberry Wild Chow. You know, when I was growing up, my dad always told me, once you go loose, you never go bagged. And you know what? He was right. Go to Tiestatea.com and use the promo code ANXIETY15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. You think you know tea? You haven't tried tea the sound doesn't sound like it, it changed all that much. It's he just kind of fit right in. So it's, it's, it sounds like it was a natural progression. Does, does he do, uh, it was, and is the songwriting mainly on one person or is it collaborative?
1: The songwriting, you know, and both of them, both of them have written songs. Both of them are quite capable, but I think, you know, not to speak for them, but I think for, as I see it, their idea in this band was, well, okay, so John's writing the songs, and uh I think Jim contributed one song to the double album, and as did Joe, and Joe's got a couple things on the first one, but I think generally their feeling was, no, you know, he'll write them, we'll play them. Okay. And, uh, you know, it, it worked for me. I was, I was happy to... You know, and I don't know how that works in a band, you know, like, yeah, I've talked to Josh Caterer about this, about, you know, and his sort of telling of it was like, well, I just kept writing songs. And so it's, it's just a matter of, it's like, you know, I don't know. Do you have children?
0: Yeah. I have three teenagers.
1: Oh man. yeah, You're a hero, man. 16, 17,
0: and 18.
1: I got, Wow. Oh yeah, I got twelve and sixteen over here, two boys. Oh boy. And you know one of the things is that, you know, if a kid doesn't you know, if you're if you are taking care of the laundry or the dishes or whatever, a kid doesn't think like, Oh no man, I, I gotta I gotta step it up. Like yeah. typically a kid will think <laughs> this is great, you know, the <laughs> system works.
0: This is and, how it is. This is what and mom and so, dad do. Yeah.
1: You know, so for for me to consistently bring in songs, I think that may have been a thing like, well, all right, so no need to... He, all right, so he's on it. You yeah. know, it's like someone doing all the driving or something.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you're bringing in a lot of stuff. It's good stuff. It's quality songwriting. So, you know, it's... Why rock the boat?
1: No, and, you know, and it meant, it meant a lot to me um, for them to... You know, I mean, sort of tacitly vote with their feet like that, you know, for the material. And that, but the band, I mean, so, you know, it's one thing to sit on the edge of a bed with a guitar and, you know, chase a melody and have written a song. But, you know, the thing that makes it magic is a band that uh, turns it into just through their force of musical personality, turns it into something far beyond what you could have ever envisioned yeah. envisioned, and that happened a lot you know I feel like most of our from any era most of our songs you know that guy could play it for you on a guitar and you know like oh that's just a cool song I, I know that song uh, but th- what the band does and what the two of them specifically consistently did was just enlarge it in a way that yeah
0: yeah so you know, anybody else larger. playing those songs that wouldn't sound like hush drops,
1: right yeah
0: so then after tomorrow you guys i guess took a little break and you you put out a solo album
1: i did yeah we did a a bit of touring um after tomorrow And again, you know, very perverse. Why we waited until we were all in our 40s to go (laughs) to start touring. I I can't really answer that. Um, uh, (laughs) But there we were. And, you know, a lot, I think there were certain, there were just a lot of, like in a family or something, there were a lot of conflicts that, you know, festered in the band and enough baggage that, a year after the record come out, and we'd done the touring, and it was at a point where i was I had a bunch of new songs and you know it's whatever there were a lot of things that made me think we're just not functioning right and we're not really looking out for each other's best interests we're not you know we're not working in harmony, so yeah I Went off and made a solo record,
0: and from what I've heard of it, I haven't been able to hear the whole thing. But it sounds a little softer. It doesn't sound like it's like Crazy Horse going. Nuts.
1: And I think that's that's the band. You know, that is the difference between because I, I, you know, and and I had this idea like, well, now that I'm, you know, now that I've emancipated myself, you know, I can go in the studio with a drummer and play all the other instruments and be the boss. And you're never really the boss, I guess, is another (laughs) thing that I learned. (laughs) Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm barely my own boss at the best of times, Um, but uh, yeah, lacking that sort of the personality of the band and the chemistry of the band, it really does come off as a far gentler thing and with a completely different energy
2: Nobody said
1: I, I ultimately, I wish a lot of those songs, you know, it's not a regret that will kill me, but I feel like I wish that the Hush Drops had had recorded those songs. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was a few years of just, you know, being out there by myself. And we had gotten together to do a Halloween show. I had gotten booked for a Halloween show and the people that were playing with me were unable to do it. And, 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 and the three of us at house shops, you know, we'd all, we'd all sort of start, started talking again and things were really friendly and just had this idea, like, how about if we tell the people at the club that we're going to be, you know, I don't know, Eddie money or something. And And we show up and play the album Bandwagon-esque by Teenage Fan Club, unbilled and Uh unadvertised, and also people not even knowing that hush-raps are going to perform together. Um, So just it was one of those things, it's so stealth that nobody knew about it. (laughs) 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 But that's kind of perfect in a way.
0: I love it. That is awesome. How soon after that did you guys get back to... uh, wanting to do an album.
1: That was the crucial first move for sure. Um I feel like within a year of that we were um within a year of that we were playing together again uh regularly and that it started with Joe and I going in to record, just the two of us, before I really you know because there was a certain you know, there's something about getting the band back together that's like, you know, do we all does everybody really want to do this? Um, you know, what pitfalls do you believe you can avoid a second time around? You know, it's like a married couple, you know, remarrying or something. Yeah. Um so, you know, it honestly it probably took longer than it should have. Um, but just yeah, you know, middle age caution all around, I guess. And I remembered when we did the teenage fan club thing, that first rehearsal, I think like we had three rehearsals for it sorry to everybody you know we all know the album um and the first downbeat where we were all in i just remember like all of us looking at each other like oh my god like wow did you, you you feel that like that's a thing <laughs> huh yeah.
0: did you guys didn't happen to record that did you the the show with where you did the whole album
1: no no um you know man no, that, that would have been was, awesome So much of our life, our musical life Is ephemeral, you know Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I will tell you, the 20 people who were there Were very happy (laughs) So yeah, so I um, It was another Thing that sort of was a big step To us Putting the rings back on, I guess Was uh, that There was A gig where I'd been asked to play And Again, sort of, you know, the thing that I was doing with some other friends of mine was it was just it was petering out. And to be honest, I probably should have maybe, uh, you know, I kind of let it peter out rather than sort of saying, well, hey, everybody, look, that's, you know, nice working with you. Um, (laughs) You know, um, sometimes that's easier said than done, you know. Um, So we it was, again, another thing where you know, and Joe was like, I think Jim and I would like, you know, should play with you for this thing. I don't know if he had discussed it with Jim, but you know, I said, <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Jim. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, mean I think the, <laughs> these may be the people we are ultimately. <laughs> uh, so, uh, <laughs> so again, just, you know, having that experience of, um you know, playing together and like, okay, well look, seriously, this is, I I don't really care what it costs us on some personal level. Like this is the thing. Yeah. And what rationale do we have for not doing the thing? Exactly. And fortunate, fortunately um, I had a lot of, uh, you know, I I had just written a bunch of new songs and being back together had sort of fired me up. It's like, well, I'm writing for my band. You know, I know this is another thing that, um, uh, Josh Cater has talked about with the with smoking popes that uh, you know have, just having that that sound behind you like makes you want to write songs. Yeah. So yeah. So we were we were gigging again, and it was like, well, we've got all these songs. We better record them. And yeah. So we did the the last yeah full band session that we did. I think we went into there's a place here called electrical audio and we went into studio b there um the cheaper room and that's why i chose it um (laughs) and why it has become my room of choice uh, perhaps in perpetuity um we uh (laughs) but whatever it's also it's it's a
0: hey it's it's working for you
1: it's working yeah another workflow is there is incredible um and uh so, yeah, we cut, was just like, okay, so these are the 10 songs that we're going to record, and, you know, two have gone in and spent a day, you know, rec- and getting 10 songs in one day just felt like, oh, this this seems unusually productive for anyone, by anyone's standards. You know, I, I as a student of Neil Young's, I don't even know if he did 10 songs in a day, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, and if anyone was going to, you know, it's going to be him. <laughs> um,
0: How far along, I, I, I know, you know, unfortunately Joe passed away.
1: Right. How far yeah. along in
0: the process were you guys when that happened?
1: Well, we had, um, we had a lot of songs recorded by the end of, uh, 2019, and we were rehearsing another batch of songs that we were going to go in and record in the spring of 2020, and you know that yeah. was a that was a hard spring for everybody. Yeah, um, and uh so, we were going yeah. to
0: do this in the spring of 2020.
1: Yeah. Oh God, uh, you couldn't make it uh, up. Jeez. Uh, no. <laughs> so yeah. So you know, just whatever. Suddenly we're all in our homes for a year and just, you know, talking via messenger and still talking about the record and what we're going to do with it. Um, and, um, you know, everyone fully expecting that uh, well, we'll get back on it when we get back on it. And that didn't happen. And uh, yeah, Joe passed away in January. and I'm so sorry. Well oh, thanks, man. Um that was a oh, it was like it was freezing cold up here. So it just it was a weird kind of you know, if you wanted to be sad, you know, having somebody pass away in the, the in the middle of a pandemic when oh. it's zero outside. Um, nah. you know, that, there's an ambience there for yeah, sure.
0: For sure.
1: And so, you know, I just kinda Got drunk every night for a couple months, and you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> didn't do didn't do too much, yeah. and <laughs> and at some point realized, you know, oh, this music this music is pretty cool, and how better to tell the world like check out my dude, check out our friend than to uh, finish this record and release it into the world. Yeah, and. So the trouble was there were a couple of, you know, load bearing tracks or, you know, what I thought songs that were easily the equal of any other song and maybe even some of our strongest that we had not gotten around to recording the three of us. And so I'm thinking about this and there's a couple of them that I had pretty good demos of. And then I had remembered we had done this show right when we got back together, we did a show. I mean, I think if this will set the scene, we did a show in a brewery. And so, you know, we show up whatever time you show up, load in and okay. So, uh, you know, just put a marker on your wrist. You can, uh, just keep going up and drink beer all night. It's on us. Nice. And, you know, so we got loose, Yeah. you know, we got very loose and, uh, <laughs> you know played this show and it was a great show you know for all of its uh for all of its blemishes for all of its man-made blemishes it just <laughs> it had so much spirit and then the next day i find out oh hey you know so uh, you know this guy recorded your show and uh wow <laughs> No, and uh, at the time it was like, well, you know, that's cool. That's, that's great. You know, we, we didn't know we were being recorded, which is a nice thing. It's sort of a Watergate kind of ambience. <laughs> 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 and so, you know, as i you know, a few months after Joe died, as my head's starting to clear, I'm like, I had to find out if that guy still, if the guy still has his recordings and so I reached out to uh, the guy who recorded it. His name's Mike. And just mentioned, is there any chance, you, know, you, you probably wouldn't still have this. And uh, yeah, yeah, I got it. And uh, so I went through and there were, yeah, the two of those tracks are on our uh, our next album, The Static. And so you've got... Obviously, Jim and I had the luxury of sweetening up our contributions to the extent that they required it. But yeah, the basic skeleton of it is, you know, and, and certainly Joe's parts are all brewery. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there, yeah, it's, you know, we got a couple songs that were recorded in a brewery when we would have probably not agreed to being recorded. Right. Uh, but, and, but thankful that we were.
0: That's amazing. A couple questions about that. So, first of all, the album's called The Static. There's a song called The Static. the title
1: well you know i i admire the person the pete townsend the roger waters the the conceptual artist i admire them i've never had the sort of you know i'm gonna do a long form i'm gonna do zen arcade um just never really worked that way but i've noticed that if you write sort of an album, the bulk of an album's worth of songs during a specific period in time, generally there will be themes that keep coming up. Yeah. And like, I don't know, whatever the album XO by Elliott Smith might mean to a person. Right. You know, I don't know if it's a concept album, but it has a consistent sort of thematic ambience to yeah. me. And I noticed that a lot of... What was on the static, that one of the themes that I kept seeing in it, hearing in it, was just the in, in a sort of interpersonal communication and all of the things that kind of jam the wires and the difficulty people have understanding each other, or listening to each other, and I mean, that extends to all sorts of things. Just, you know, if you see, I mean, we're online these days and there's just people deliberately making bad faith arguments and, yeah. you know, what the the bot farms and, and the whole, <laughs> all of it, you know, so I just feel like we live in this, you know, time where, you know, that particular dilemma of, you know, people just really discrediting each other or not wishing to listen to each other is at its it's just at it's at a peak you know so it was just like okay so this uh, you know i'm seeing that this is all in a lot of the songs um and never in any sort of heavy-handed way but it's a theme that's there um so that was how that ended up as the sort of that's what ended up tying it together
0: that makes a lot of sense and I, I love it. how you start off with Monday and psychic, uh, psychic Space.
2: I'm satisfied the earth will shift tomorrow Just like it did today and yesterday The house
1: next door seems closer Awesome. That's a, awesome. Story. That's a brewery gem. Oh, is it? That's awesome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I love. You've got a couple. Like I've, I've mentioned this before throughout this whole episode, but you've got these great instrumentals, the Lumix. That is so cool.
1: Oh, oh thanks. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I, I gotta know, is there a story? Because most people wouldn't title an instrumental, Jennifer's Grandpa. <laughs>
1: I mean I have to tell you don't I Yeah uh,
0: You do uh, contractually
1: Oh goodness okay so um there are people we know one of whom is a you know single mother divorced single mother with a child and oh god he <laughs> she she had she had company one evening Okay and the kid wakes up and you know said who's that man is that Jennifer's grandpa? <laughs> and, and, and presumably referring to my wife, Jennifer, and the idea that, you know, for some reason, my wife's grandpa would be, would A, be alive, and, you know, B, over be, the, you know, over at the, over their place yeah. in the middle of the night, yeah. <laughs> um, so it was just one of those things, like, wow, that's a, that's a title, yeah. A really evocative, uh, you know
0: oh my gosh i love it even more now that i know this backstory so
1: had you not asked i, I would have never mentioned it but uh, I, I i couldn't yeah you know, couldn't leave you hanging yeah
0: you know. <laughs> well you've got some great people on the top too like Nora o'connor i love Nora O'Connor. Nora oh, she's, she's the best she was awesome I, was, I had flat five on a while back oh right on so yeah. she was awesome they had her, Kelly, and Casey all on all at the same time. So that was a blast.
1: Oh, those are, those are my people, man. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They were so awesome. So I'm so glad when when I get a chance to have somebody else on who's kind of related to the podcast at this point now. So.
1: Oh, no, I like the familial quality here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And uh, John Perrin, who I play with in... Josh Caterer's band, he, uh, he finished up a couple of my demos that are on the record and uh, just really, really exceptional talent because yeah. um, I just sent him like, well, here's my demo with the drums muted and he sends me back his first take, which is just him like, looking at the waveform and then jumping in when it looks like it's time. Right, so you're just really getting this, like, and he sent me these more polished, like uh, more arranged performances. I'm like, no, I want the first take. There's, there's a lot of, you're just taking more chances there and it's just a little wilder.
0: Oh, that um, is so cool.
1: So it, you know, it really lives in the spirit of, you know, things Joe Camarilla would have played. You
0: know? That is awesome. And I love how it ends with I Had a Room. It's another one of those songs with the uh, long, jammy solo at the end. The crazy horse comes back. Oh sure. Cool. I love, I love your guitar playing. I, I love oh, when thanks. you just go off and, and play. I love the feedback. I love the just crazy distortions. I just, Oh, it, it's hitting me right, right in the heart. I love it.
1: Well, it's interesting. Cause I really, you know, I mean, I went through a phase in my teen years where, you know, and all of these things that I still love like Led Zeppelin and Ozzy and, um, Oh God, Iron Maiden, whatever um, a lot of Van Halen, all of this stuff Maiden. with very accomplished playing. And I you know, would learn all of this stuff, learn all these solos, and had developed a certain I don't know what I thought I was gonna do with all of these other people's songs, but <laughs> <laughs> anyways, I developed this particular skill set and at some point when I started making my own music. I was already like, well, no, that's not what I'm looking for. And the sort of more Neil Young, is he gonna make it? Kind of like might bend the note a little too much. That that's always that always seemed to be like, okay, now we're really playing music whenever that happened.
0: Early Mark Farner.
1: Yes, yes. Oh god, it 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 really can go off the rails at any minute. Yeah. It's a wonderful unhinged thing.
0: Playing um, so loose, and that's what I love about it i, I you definitely sound loose and in, in the best way, like in, in a crazy horse early uh grand funk railroad way it's and that, that's the kind of stuff that i love
1: well, and it seems like in a band, if somebody any one of the players i mean's at least the kind of band that hush ups are that you go out if somebody goes out on a limb intentional or not, it's kind of like goosing the other players and then like okay well that's what we're doing now well i'm crazy too you know <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah i had a room is uh i feel like i mean and potentially one of the criteria for us deciding okay well this is the take of the song was uh that it had so much of that like yeah. okay well we could just listen to this forever and still enjoy the um you know the swerviness of it
0: so what's the, uh, what is the plan with the album and, and supporting it and, and getting it out to people? And and do you have plans for playing in the future? And what's, what are you thinking at this point?
1: Well, that's a good question. Um, I think we should, you know, it just seems like if you put out a record that part of the, part of the gig is uh, going out and playing. And, you know, initially, it was something I didn't even want to think about. Oh, um, but you know, we played, we played last night. Actually, there was a, you know, cause we decided back in the winter, like, okay, look, everyone's gonna, everyone's gonna get vaccinated and, uh, you know, weather's going to get nice. Let's do something. Let's do a celebration. Let's do something sort of positive to honor Joe instead of freezing in the parking lot of the, you know, funeral home, um, and something, and he'd played with so many people that, you know, Oh, there's so many musicians that would want to just get together and play and, you know, celebrate the man. Um, so we, Hush shops did perform at that last night and a friend of ours, old friend of ours came in from Brooklyn and played drums with us. And it so the thing that that did apart from, I think, giving a lot of people a, you know, necessary catharsis was, uh, it gave us now the precedent of, okay, we can play this music and, uh, celebrate this music and enjoy it. And so I'm, I'm very open to the idea of finding a way to do that going forward. And, you know, it's, it's a lot to think about. Yeah. It's, you know, when, when, Obviously this happens a lot with bands and I was probably a lot more cynical about it when I was younger. Like, you know, what, say someone like Gene Simmons rationale might be for going back out on tour again. Like (laughs) we've got a mummified Ace (laughs) Frehley. But, uh, you know, um, now that this is all kind of very real, you know, the, I can't necessarily imagine a scenario where, Okay, guys. If I die, don't play music no more. So, yeah, I, I guess Jim and I will actually have to have this conversation soon. And The record's coming out really soon, um, so yeah, yeah I'm, I'm hoping that he's into it. And
0: well, I hope so too.
1: So yeah, you're, you're, you're catching <laughs> you're, you're catching me at a real. Um, <laughs> Here's here's the plan, and I've told you first. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, perhaps I could volunteer him, Joe Camarillo style. They, say, see, you know,
0: there you go. You get yeah. voluntold.
1: <laughs>
0: it's a thing, isn't it? It is. Oh yeah. Ask my kids. I get volunteered. They they volunteer me everything.
1: Oh man, I'm the la- I mean I don't and I don't know like but man all the last minute stuff like yes. okay like we're all getting dressed and about to go out the door for our day. And, Oh yeah. So I need, you know, I need you to build me a robot for, you yeah.
0: know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or give me a hundred bucks. Oh, One
1: or oh the other. all of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, have,
0: I either have to get this project done or pay money so I don't have to do th- something.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure, right um, here,
0: <laughs> You obviously <laughs> don't have time to go out and do your project. Here's the money.
1: Oh um, yeah. No, they're getting voluntold. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 it's our life now. Yeah. Oh,
0: it is. And my, all three of them were in high school at the same time, but my oldest is in a freshman in college right now. So it's two, but they're all in marching band. So, oh, excellent. So I had three times the commitments.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. And man, band instruments are, you know, I know, um, This, is, this has been a, a mantra from parents my whole life. Like, oh, well, yeah. See what happens if you have to deal with band instruments.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, we. my oldest plays the trumpet. We bought that. But my uh, middle, my, my, my oldest is, I have two girls and a son in the middle. Uh, my son plays the tuba, which I am not buying because I could not afford the cheapest of tubas. And then my youngest plays the French horn, but fortunately, she's now a drum one of the drum majors, so she's not playing that right now. Oh, okay. I can't so afford right, that I, I, either.
1: Oh no, I understand that I, there's a lot of that. Most parents are like, operating on a sort of rental basis with band instruments, right? Oh yeah, which doesn't necessarily sound like an easy,
0: you know, you know that that's still a that's still a commitment. It yeah. is, it is, and well, actually, what, what we did, we we. Paid for this trumpet, but the my son and my youngest are using the school's instruments. But we had to buy their own their mouthpiece. That's so that was the only investment on that. So that, but the trumpet was the cheapest of all the instruments. So <laughs> that worked out well for us. So because she still plays in community band, but so she gets to take her her trumpet with her. But
1: you know, this was the day I found out that tubas were uh, more the most expensive of the in the brass
0: family. Oh, yeah. It's like 15 grand or something. It's just something disgusting. Wow. Yeah.
1: Oh man, I mean if that had been my instrument, yeah. my my parents would not have bought me a tuba for <laughs> my my 11th birthday. I
0: know that. <laughs> no, I didn't buy my son a tuba for any of his birthdays. It would have been like from 11 to 30.
1: Oh no, I think you'd really have to, you know, Okay, this guy's like the you know Hendrix of the tuba. You He's, know, yeah.
0: um, he would have <laughs> which, to make a living, which, on which tuba. he may be. You know, I don't... <laughs> he would have to make a living on the tuba somehow. Oh god! Uh, I don't know how. I don't. Know, I don't know if there's any professional tuba tubists. I don't know. But anyway, well, I've I've really enjoyed spending so much time with you man i've kept you for over an hour at this point thank you so much i really do love the album it is so good i love the older stuff i'm so glad i've got a chance to to listen to almost all of it because i didn't get a chance to hear all your solo album yet but i'm gonna go and listen to it
1: no you'll get stuck in traffic again soon and and i'll be there
0: yeah
1: well this has been an epic hang (laughs) thanks so much for yeah, having
0: me here today. I, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much.